See, it's not about just doing good things toward others. See, we want to reduce. If you make Jesus just a good teacher, it's like do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that's great. And that's good teaching, right? That is a good teaching. But here's the problem with it. Without a proper understanding of the creature-creator distinction, who God is and who we are, you can never execute doing good things towards others in the right way because you don't understand it. That was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Camas, Washington. And this is a Contemplate Podcast. I'm Ron Hagelgans. Thanks for listening to part two in our series, Who is Jesus? The world says all kinds of crazy things about who Jesus is or who he was. But what did he say? Was he really just a good guy that said good sounding stuff or was he God? It's a question that we all need to answer one way or another. And today, Pastor David will teach us the truth from God's Word in the Bible. Here's Pastor David Robinson with part two of Who is Jesus? recorded live at Acts Church. So this draws on our goal is easy to remove this idea that there was never a Jesus, that he never existed. It just simply doesn't hold up. Even atheists who are serious and have looked into these things don't believe that that's true. So we can remove it. But it is something that's said. So that's the first piece that we need to pull away. But there's a more complicated and popular piece of dross, a more popular idea about Jesus. This is claim number two. Jesus was a good man and a good teacher, but he was not God. Now, this one's going to take us a little bit more time to go through. Who is saying this? Well, lots of people. Watch the Discovery Channel, the History Channel, and you'll find a whole host of people who make this claim about Jesus, right? Oh, no, no. We believe that Jesus is real. Absolutely. He's real. Um, and, he, and he says some great stuff. He's a good teacher and kind of this moral guy, but he is not but we don't believe that he's God. We don't believe he's supernatural. We don't believe any of that. Ask your friend who's an agnostic or an atheist or whatever. Many of them may make this claim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe that Jesus is around. Maybe he's a prophet or maybe he's a, a good guy or maybe he's a teacher. But, but he's not God. I don't accept that he was the son of God. Now, why do people say that? We've got to walk through this for a second and, and look at the mindset of what draws people to make that claim. And here's the deal. I think people understand that Jesus has changed the world. I think it's just understood. I think people get it. They know that the things that I was talking about earlier, the date of their birth is, you know, how many days from the, from the years from the birth of Jesus Christ and, and all of these things and all the, the moral teachings and all the things that have happened that have changed our world. I think people understand that. And on top of that, I think people have that feeling that Peter and, and Susan and Edmund and Lucy had in the Chronicles of Narnia when they hear the name Aslan. I think that the name Jesus strikes something in everybody and they have to do something to deal with it. They've got to, they've got to come up with an explanation. Jesus is a name, like I said, that makes the universe stand at attention. It's a name that demands an explanation of some kind for everybody, Christian, non-Christian. When you hear it, when you hear about Jesus, when you understand who he is, you have to put some explanation on it. And here's the thing. People want to see Jesus as inspiring because he is but they don't want to see him as king. They want to see him as inspiring, but they don't want to see him as king. So why is there enough confusion about Jesus to make this particular claim, this claim number two here, so popular among some folks? How has it become so popular among so many people? 
when there's not a lot of evidence for it? Well, here's a couple things that have led to it. One is historical skepticism, okay? So what we found as we've done historical studies, some of it very good historical studies, we found that sometimes there's a lot of bias that exists in the historical record, or at least in the way that the historical record is taught. And so some of the good stuff that's been done in history has been to go back and, and figure out what really happened in some of these cases and fix some of the historical inaccuracies that were there. But one of the problems with skepticism is that skepticism rarely is, is surgical, right? It rarely goes in and takes out just what it needs to take out. Instead, what it does is it just starts cutting everything up. And so the problem with skepticism is instead of just getting at the stuff and fixing the whatever, it's now opened up question and doubt about a whole area, of, a whole subject area. And so history has been sort of tossed up. And of course, Jesus is a big part of history. And so even though there's not necessarily as good of reasons to debate the historicity and the things that Jesus said and did, we've done so because in general, we've sort of chopped up history. But here's the thing. One of the things that has moved so many people from Jesus as claiming to be God and as God to Jesus as a teacher is the church. The historical debate has been muddy because of the mistakes that have been made by some Christian institutions. Okay? And I would say the kind way to say this is that Christian institutions have shown some inconsistencies. But the reality, the realistic way to put this is that there's been some real hypocrisy among people who claim to follow Christ. And so here's the thing, when religious people who say I'm a Christian, who say that that's what I'm serious about, that I follow Jesus Christ, that I follow his commands, but they don't care about the poor, and they don't care about the oppressed, they don't care about the downtrodden, the widow, and the orphan, it doesn't look like they're following the commands of Jesus, which they ought to do if they believe that he is God. If they believe, the ones who claim to follow him, if they believe that he is God, then they ought to follow the commands that he gives them. Even though, listen, many Christians are doing these things, okay? You can, you can look around the world and you can see many Christians, Compassion International, Food for the Hungry, Samaritan's Purse, World Vision. There are lots of groups that, are, that continue to follow Jesus' commands to take care of those who need help. There are, okay? But here's the deal. If the church that you know, the one that you've been around, if the Christians that you see aren't following the commands of Jesus Christ, aren't doing these things, aren't living this way, if the Christians that you're around are more concerned about screaming at their neighbors and yelling and getting upset about the sin of their non-Christian neighbors than they are about serving them and seeing them set free from darkness, if that's what you see in the Christians that you're around, it's going to be a very easy path from Jesus as God to Jesus as a good teacher, Right? Because even the people who say they believe he's God don't do the things he say. They, therefore, they can't even believe that he's God. Why should I? Why should I? See, uh, Christianity is not about you being the most important thing in the universe. It's about Jesus. Christianity is not about your health and wealth or living this perfect life. It's about Jesus. It's not about political power. It's not about it's not about what we can have in the here and now and, and right here today, how we can put the best pictures of our families on Facebook or how we can do whatever. That's not what it's about. It's about Jesus and the kingdom of God and what's coming and what he's doing. And if the church wants to preach the truth about who Jesus is, we got to preach with our words and our lives the entire message 
of Jesus Christ. Or we can expect more and more people to move from Jesus as claiming to be God or Jesus as God to Jesus as good, just a good teacher. It becomes very easy to simply dismiss Jesus as God when they see those who claim to follow him not follow him like they believe that he's God. Here's the thing. We all want to believe, Christian, non-Christian, whoever you are, we all want to believe that we're all right, right? That we're all right, that we're, we're doing all right. When I was a freshman in high school, I was on the baseball team, and, and as we were ramping up for the season, we were in practice, I, I, I thought that I was all right, right? I, I would go out there, and, and in batting practice, man, I could smoke that ball. I could hit it so hard, and, and, and it was good. I felt good about it, and whatever, and i do okay in field. I thought it was all right. I was an all right baseball player, and so the first game of the season comes around, and, and the coaches got me batting cleanup. For those of you who know what that means, that means you bat fourth in the lineup. Usually, you put your best hitter in that spot, and so I'm thinking, oh, hey, I'm all right. I got put batting cleanup. I mean, I know there's guys that are a lot better than me in a lot of aspects of the game, but I felt like I, you know, I was hitting the ball pretty well and all that kind of stuff. And now fielding-wise, I got put in right field, which means something completely different about, about your skill level, okay? But I'm out in right field. I mean, we're talking first inning, first game. I feel like I'm all right. I'm all right. And I'm standing out there, and here we go. And the first pitch, I think it was the first pitch, uh, the first game, left-handed hitter, and of course he hits it right coming at my face. I mean, just, ooh. And I, because I'm so smart, decided to take a step or two in before I've judged where the ball is. And unfortunately, that step or two in kept me from taking the 20 steps that I actually needed to take back. I could have just made an easy catch on the ball because I had taken a couple steps in. The ball goes over my head. This was at Hudson's Bay High School where we were playing. I played for Fort Vancouver High School. Go Trappers. And uh, there was no fence back there on this field that we were playing on. So that ball just went and went and went. And so the center fielder had to come. It was embarrassing. I mean, it was just embarrassing. I just looked like an idiot. And my teammates were like, hey, come on. Oh. Not great, right? So I get up to bat. I'm thinking, hey, we'll fix this thing. I'll, I'll, hit, I'll hit a good ball. Well, I ended up walking. The guy walks me. I get to first base. The coach gives me the you know, steal sign, right? And so I'm like, all right, I'll do this. <laughs> then I take off, picked off, okay? Never started again, never got put in cleanup again. Um, the whole, I think I got like one hit the whole season, okay? I stuck with football after that. But here's the deal. I thought I was all right. Until the game started, I thought I was all right. Everything seemed fine without the pressure of the game when I'm in, when I'm in practice and we're hanging out with the guys and we're doing whatever. I felt like I was all right, but when the pressure of the game came, I wasn't all right. I wasn't very good at all. But we want to believe about ourselves that we're generally good people, that we're all right. We're all right. Although I'm not sure what happens with most of us when the game comes. And here's the thing about the we're all right view of ourselves. It lessens who Jesus said that he is. Because Jesus said that he's here to save us. That we're not all right. That we need him. But if we believe that we're all right, then we don't believe that we need him. But he said that we do. So one of us is not all right. He's wrong or we're wrong. See, there's this creator-creature distinction that exists. Okay? This is the difference between the creator and that which the creator has created. There's a difference between those things. In John, the gospel of John chapter one, just starting at the beginning, first five verses, says, in the beginning was the word, that's Jesus. 
And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. See, Jesus is, is the creator. Okay, Jesus is God, and he's the creator, and we were all created. Nothing was created without him. We were all created through him, and here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you're called because you're the created, not the creator, creator-creature distinction, because you're the created. You're called into a relationship with God. That's what you're supposed to do. You want to be I, you've got to get into a relationship with God and stay in it and follow God. That is the proper role of creator and creature. God and us. We don't like that. See, it's not about just doing good things toward others. See, we want to reduce. If you make Jesus just a good teacher, it's like, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that's great. And that's good teaching, right? That is a good teaching. But here's the problem with it. Without a proper understanding of the creature-creator distinction, who God is and who we are, you can never execute doing good things towards others in the right way because you don't understand it. If we do things that are good to others for the wrong reasons, it doesn't work. We're supposed to do good things for others as a response to our love for God. That's what Jesus is saying. Listen, you do these things because you love me because I loved you first. Because I'm God and you're not. And yet I've shown you all this love and I've died for you and I rose again. And I've defeated hell and death and I've forgiven you and I've given you grace and so on. And you follow me because of that. Because you're compelled by your love for me. But if that's not the case and Jesus is just a teacher and he's not God, then the only reason we do what is good to others is to serve ourselves. Essentially saying this, if I do what's good for so-and-so, so-and-so will do what's good for me. And it'll all work out as good as possible, right? And it does away with God as our creator and replaces God with us. And it makes us responsible to no one. And it reduces Morality and ethics to a social contract which cannot last. Because here's the problem. Social contract, ethics, and morality where we all say, hey, I'll do good to you if you'll do good to me. When we do that, it will always and inevitably in history has always been perverted by majorities who have nothing to fear from the minorities. Whoever that happens to be and wherever you are, whoever the majority is who has nothing to fear from the minority will always pervert the do unto others stuff so when it serves them and they know they can get away with it. See, we either fear God and serve him and love him because he's our creator and he loves us and we know that he's good, or we got to spend our lives fearing each other and hoping we don't find ourselves in a minority, which is bad. You either trust God and he's the source of your ethics because you understand the creator-creature distinction. Or you've got to deal with people. I'll tell you which one I would choose. We want to trade the creator for the creature and worship ourselves. Or each other. Or money. Or sex. Or whatever. If Jesus is just a human teacher, if that's what he is. If he's just a human teacher, then we can continue social contract ethics. Because what else will we have? But if Jesus is God, then everything changes. We ask the question, who is Jesus? If Jesus is just a teacher, we, got, we don't have much. But if he's God, then everything changes. See, if Jesus is just a teacher, 
as my friends in Tennessee would say, we might should listen to him. We might should listen to him, is what they would say. You might should listen to him. You know, you might should, okay? He's just a teacher, so you might should listen to him. But if he's only a good teacher, then there's no authority that exists. Then you have no accountability. So you might should listen to him. Maybe he has a few good things to say. Take what you want, buffet that stuff. Hey, Jesus says a few good things. Oprah says a few good things, whatever, right? Stick it in your basket and use whatever, because if he's not God and he's just a teacher, there's no authority. You're not accountable to him. But if he's God, you got a bigger problem because the things he says have authority over you and you're accountable to follow them. Here's the problem with the claim that Jesus was a good man and a good teacher but was not God. Here's the problem with it. Jesus did not leave that option as a possibility. If you look at his life and the things that he said and the things that he did, he just didn't leave that option. See, he's constantly going around and saying things, claiming things uh, that said that he was much, much more than just a good teacher. He, he would say things like, John 5, 17 through 18, but Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. John 8, 58, Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. John 10, 30, I and my father are one. John 14, 6 through 11, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Imagine if one of you said that to each other, what would you think about that person? He says, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. And John 10, 36-39, do you say of him... Whom the Father sanctified and sent in the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God. If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe in me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore, they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. Why are these people wanting to seize him and stone him and kill him? Because he's claiming to be God. Not because he said, I'm a good teacher. I'm a good teacher. Oh, okay, cool. You're a good teacher. There's a good teacher over there. There's a good teacher over there. We got all kinds of teachers in this, in this church. That's fantastic. But very few of them are saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I and the Father are one. Before Abraham was, I am. They're not saying things like that. And if they were, we'd be like, okay. Cuckoo. <laughs> right? That's what I would say if somebody said that to me. But that's not how they reacted. They reacted like he was serious, not like he needed to be hospitalized, but they wanted to kill him. And Jesus knew exactly what he was saying. He was claiming to be God. That is why these Jewish leaders were trying to kill him. There was no mistake being made by Jesus. He was not claiming to be just a good man and a good teacher, but not God. That's not what he was claiming. He was claiming that he was God. Now, C.S. Lewis, some of you recognize that name. Um, he was an atheist, okay? Did not believe in God for a long time. Eventually, he was drawn by Jesus Christ, and he came to believe that Jesus was the Son of God. And he was not a big fan 
of the Jesus as a good man and a good teacher theory. Partially because he was very serious about philosophy and thinking well, and it's just, it's just frankly illogical. This is what C.S. Lewis said. He wrote this. I'm trying to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't ex- accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would be either a lunatic on the level of, with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. We are faced then with a frightening alternative. This man we are talking about either was and is just what he said or else a lunatic or something worse. I have to accept the view that he was and is God. Now, Lewis was right about this. Jesus did not leave the option of good man and teacher open to us. He did not intend to. He did not want there to be any mistake about who he was. That people could, could say, yeah, yeah, he's a good teacher, but I don't accept his claim to God. It was accept it all or say he's lying. Accept it all or say he's crazy. And no one seemed to think that he was crazy or lying. That's the thing. That's what happens when you go around healing people's diseases, pushing back the curse, letting blind people see, raising people from the dead, raising from the dead yourself. Those kinds of things tend to boost the claim that you're God. So as the forge heats the gold, we got to remove the dross. Right, we want to get to the truth. Who is Jesus? It's historically untenable to suggest that Jesus didn't exist. Just don't bother with that argument. You can go find a hundred books by atheists, Christians, Muslims, whoever you want, that will tell you that Jesus definitely existed. So that argument's out. And it's illogical to believe that Jesus was just a good man and a good teacher. Okay? So we must believe that he was telling the truth and that he's God, or you must believe that he's a liar or a lunatic. That's the precipice that you stand in. You've got to fall one way or the other, but you've got to do something with the name of Jesus because, as I said, the name of Jesus makes the universe stand at attention, and you're going to have to do something. But that feeling that comes into you when you hear the name of Jesus Christ, you've got to decide which way you're going to go. That's between you and God. But let me just tell you, the reason you're sitting here in this room, listening to this online, whatever it is, is because he's drawn you. He's drawing you. He wants you to see the truth about who he is. We are responsible to think well. We are responsible to believe well because we've thought well. And why is that? Because as believers, we believe we're made in the image and likeness of God. We believe that our minds are supposed to be transformed to think and to will better and better as time goes on. Therefore, we must follow the evidence where it leads. We've got to shave the dross off in our search for gold, whether or not we'd prefer to keep it. Whether or not we prefer to think, to continue to think of Jesus as a good teacher and a good man because then I'm not responsible and then I don't have to worry about some of the kind of shadier things I do because most of the things I do are pretty good, right? So I'd rather think of Jesus as a good teacher because then I'm not responsible to him. Maybe that's the way we'd prefer it, but that's out of your hand. Shouldn't have listened today. That's over for you. Now we got to keep getting down into it. we got to keep taking the dross off and see, is Jesus 
who we claim to be. Over the course of this series, we're going to continue to ask this question. This is the question that you will have to answer for yourself. Who is Jesus? See, critics and Christians alike try to fashion Jesus into their own image. Or at least into an image that they can tame or control. In the Chronicles of Narnia, Lucy asks Mr. Beaver about Aslan the lion. Is he safe? Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Jesus will not be tamed and controlled by his critics or by his followers. He is the king. He is the son of God. You've got to ask yourself, are you willing to know and serve the real Jesus? That was Pastor David Robinson from Acts Church with part two in our podcast series, Who is Jesus? Here on Contemplate. Another powerful teaching, wasn't it? Now, if you'd like more information about Acts Church, you can visit us online at axcamus.org. Again, for directions and all the info you need, go to axcamus, camus with a C, axcamus.org, or call us at 360-885-9000. That's 360-885-9000. Hope to see you this Sunday. Finally, have you ever struggled with the weight of maybe doing something you're not so proud of? I think we all have. Well, in the next podcast, we're going to begin to learn about another important facet of who Jesus is that makes all the difference. I'm Ron Hagelgans. Hope you'll click play on part three of Who is Jesus? And hear another great study with our teacher, Pastor David Robinson, here on Contemplate.